Hey, everyone. Today, we'll be having our special episode focused on our Black maternal health topic. We want to welcome Dr. Naris Benfield to the show. Good, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of SNMA Presents the Lounge. All three of us are here, excited to have Dr. Benfield to discuss a topic that is still plaguing the Black community, Black maternal health. Dr. Neris Benfield is a board-certified OBGYN and associate professor at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, Montefiore Medical Center in New York. She also serves as a Senior Associate Dean for Diversity and Inclusion and the Fellowship Director of Family Planning within the Department of OBGYN and Women's Health. She directs the Global Women's Health and Social OBGYN Program and serves on the Board of the Society of Family Planning as co-chair of their Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Working Group. Dr. Benfield completed her OBGYN residency and fellowship in family planning at the University of California, San Francisco. She also received her master's degree in public health at the University of California, Berkeley. Dr. Benfield's research interests focus on increasing contraceptive knowledge and access and clinical and research training, both domestically and internationally. Welcome to the show, Dr. Benfield. Great to have welcome. you here, Dr. Benfield. Welcome. welcome, 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 welcome. So, Dr. Benfield, we typically like to get everyone on the same page at the beginning of these discussions with some basic terminology. So, for our loungers, can you give us a basic definition on maternal mortality and maternal morbidity? Yes, thank you. Um, and I wanted to thank you for starting with that question because we find that it's actually in having a clear definition of maternal mortality and morbidity, using that universally and doing the work to figure out the scope of the problem that's been the most important thing, I think, for um, really understanding what efforts are effective in reducing maternal mortality and morbidity. So when we're talking about maternal mortality, we're talking about the death of an individual um, around a pregnancy event. So it can be any time during the pregnancy, during the delivery itself, and up to a year after the pregnancy from some cause that is in some way related to the pregnancy. Maternal morbidity is similarly defined, but looks at um, a severe health outcome from the pregnancy episode that, of course, isn't a, a mortality event, but really is something that um, can have a significant impact on that individual's life. So that's also incredibly important for us to capture um, and understand and address as well. Thanks so much, uh, Dr. Benfield, for that response. And just kind of going off of what you just said, um, it's also been well known that Black women do worse in both maternal morbidity and mortality. And so can you discuss what are some ways in which systemic racism and a lack of environmental resources have contributed to this disparity? 
Mm-hmm. I think that's not only added to this disparity, but really is foundational to this disparity. You know, when we, I mean, there is research from decades ago that helps us clearly understand that race is not the reason for these inequities, right? Racism and the structures of racism in this society are the reason for these inequities because they are what we see in this society. You know, we don't see similar um, challenges with people of the same ancestry in other areas, right? In other regions. We see it here in the United States because of the effects of structural racism. So we want to think about the levels on which racism operates and understand that at all of those levels, um, not only is our society affected, but of course our healthcare is affected as well. So we see the effect of uh, bias, um, within patients and providers, within the infrastructure of the healthcare system. Uh, we see structural inequities in uh, our policies within an individual hospital, within um, a health, um, you know, a department of health, within a national health infrastructure, within the way that our insurance system is constructed. And then, of course, we see that the healthcare infrastructure itself is really a small part of what determines the health of an individual and in a community. And there's all those other factors that we understand are incredibly employment, like how uh, in, important, like employment, housing, um, you know, uh, economic resources, uh, nutritional resources, and those things have been uh, allowed to be so disparate and be so unequal because of the structures of racism. So I think we're seeing how racism is operating pervasively through um, most of our society and most of the systems in our society, and and that influences the health of the individual at multiple levels. So you talked about many aspects of racism, structural racism, systemic racism, and then there's also even institutional racism. Recently, we saw that a chief pediatric resident at Indiana University, Dr. Shanice Wallace, died during childbirth. We recognize that, especially in the Black community, Black women are two to three times more likely to die during childbirth than any other demographic group. Are there any other significant factors that can be contributing to this disparity? I think that um, it is incredibly important that we continue to call out the tragedy of maternal mortality on a daily basis. So I appreciate you mentioning the stories of uh, two women uh, who unfortunately um, died as a result of childbirth. And I think that... um, You know, I used to give a lecture many years ago where um, there's a picture of two passenger jets uh, colliding on a runway and exploding and saying, you know, this is the number of women who we lose every day from maternal mortality. And this is unacceptable. And if it was two passenger jets exploding on a runway, we would understand that it's unacceptable. So I think um, one of the good things is that the continued kind of attention 
um, and the continued understanding of what a real tragedy this is um, helps us make some of those large uh, systemic changes that we need to make and make some of those individual changes that we need to make to um, reduce and eliminate uh, these inequities. I think that um, fundamentally much of it comes down to the way that racism has multiple effects within our societies and our systems and our environments. Um, much of the environmental work that we're talking about when we're talking about the health infrastructure of a community, when we're talking about the nutritional access of a, uh, to, you know, good foods in a community, when we're talking about the um, infrastructure of support for an individual going through the pregnancy and delivery process, all of those um, are inequitable. When we're talking about the hospitals that are located in um, different communities. All of those are ways that inequities, um, ways that kind of the inequities in the system manifest and uh, bring us to these tragic events. Um, and I think that it's, it takes that kind of effort where you are addressing things at multiple levels. So. Uh, I am certain that in Indiana, they are sitting there and thinking, okay, how can we address the multiple levels of challenge that we've had to get to this point, right? Just like I've, many of you have heard of the Swiss cheese model or the fishbowl model, right? Helping us understand what are the ways, how are the ways that we got to this outcome that was, that was uh, terrible, and understanding all of those areas or areas to uh, make improvements is, is fundamental, I think, to tackling the problem of maternal mortality. So, Dr. Benfield, you, you just mentioned having uh, continued attention to making large systemic changes to improve the Black maternal health crisis in America. So I'd like to get into some policy, if you don't mind right now. What are your thoughts on the expansion of the Affordable Care Act and how it may affect the Black maternal health crisis in America? I'll tell you, I think um, being a, a healthcare provider who worked before the Affordable Care Act, seeing the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, and now it has been incredibly transformative. Um, especially me as a family planner, you know, um, we were using or trying to help our patients get highly effective contraception, and some of those methods were incredibly expensive, and many people did not have coverage for it. And the transformation in front of my eyes into the way that it could be if most people have coverage for most things was just incredible. Um, and I think that, you know, the states where they accepted the Medicaid expansion as part of the ACA and encouraged people to sign up have, have um, started to see benefits of that, that process and that policy. So I think expansion of coverage is incredibly important because that is also then what helps us minimize the inequities in the healthcare infrastructure, right? In the way 
the kind of way that hospitals are resourced and where the we find that you know the poorer neighborhoods have the lower resource institutions very often so um fixing the way that our healthcare is paid for and making sure that more people have coverage is incredibly important uh, thank you, Dr. Benfield. And just continuing on that trend of policy, I wanted to get into some specific legislation um, entitled the Black Maternal Health Momnibus Act of 2021. And just for the purpose of providing some info to our listeners, um, basically, this is uh, legislation that addresses the maternal health crisis in America, um, where congressional leaders have been fighting for uh Important policies like the 12-month postpartum Medicaid coverage, which would ensure moms have access to the care and support they need and deserve for that full postpartum period. And so basically to build on these efforts, uh, Congresswoman Lauren Underwood, Alma Adams, Senator Cory Booker, and members of the Black Maternal Health Caucus are introducing this act, um, which essentially just builds on existing legislation to comprehensively address every dimension of the maternal health crisis in America. And just some examples of this bill includes making critical investments in social determinants of health that influence maternal health outcomes like housing, transportation, and nutrition, um, providing funding to community-based organizations that are working to improve maternal health outcomes and promote equity, and even just growing and diversifying the perinatal workforce to ensure that every mom in America receives culturally congruent maternity care and support. And so just going with that, um, do you believe that the Black Maternal Health Mommybus Act of 2021 is the answer in shifting the Black maternal mortality rates in America? I'm incredibly uh, excited that Black maternal health is um, front and center in the dialogue and the agenda about how we can make it better. I have not fully reviewed the act, uh, but uh, I do, uh, I'm very much in agreement with many of the um, proposals. The 12 month postpartum coverage is just a no-brainer. We have defined maternal mortality as death up to a year after the delivery because we understand that there can continue to be sequelae of that delivery event that far out, and yet we end, uh, we terminate people's coverage six weeks after pregnancy. It just, you know, it's so out of line with our medical understanding as well as our kind of moral understanding, I think, uh, of um, the value of health. Um, So uh, incredibly supportive, say, of that uh, as an example, very supportive of uh, increased investment and resources. You know, um, when I talk about how we can really make change um, in reproductive health, a lot of it is ensuring that reproductive health is on the agenda, top of the agenda, and adequately resourced. And that often only comes by people who can engage in the act of reproduction being a part of the decision-making process. So the diversification of the healthcare workforce, the perinatal care workforce is incredibly important. And we also find that, um, you know, there are improvements uh in both trust and confidence in the system, um, as well as improvements in some outcomes when we have providers of color um, uh, in service to patients um, in those communities. So I think uh, I'm 100% in agreement with that, uh, that part of the plan as well. 
Dr. Benfield, you mentioned so many things that I feel like really apply to this next question I'm going to ask you. Um, you mentioned diversification of the workforce increased investment in resources, as well as people who can engage with um, minorities. So in staying with these, uh, these topics, what are some ways in which medical schools or medical educators can do a better job at educating students on the implicit biases that exist within the medical community, specifically as it pertains to persons of color and their treatment throughout pregnancy and postpartum? I think that um, as we understand what uh, what leads to health, right? What does health even mean and what contributes to health? It's important that um, I think we educate doctors who have that larger view, right? Who have not only that more holistic understanding of health, but also that more holistic understanding of the work of a doctor and what the voice of a doctor can do and what the voice of a doctor can be used in service of. So... Um, you know, we're really um, uh, supporting at our institution a, a curricular transformation that um, expands on the work that we've already been doing around not only educating our students around bias and um, that it exists, right, um, how it manifests, but also how to uh, how to mitigate it, right? How to actually intervene? What are the tools that you need to do that? And then what is the ways that you need to understand the healthcare um, structure and, uh, you know, the, the health of the individual and the health of the community? So I think that's very important. And then it's also very important to expose students to the ways in which the physician writ large can have an impact, right? You can have an incredible amount of impact with your individual patient in the clinic, in the operating room, serving their need in that moment. You can have an incredible amount of impact, um, you know, working with a particular community, serving in the public health space. You can have incredible amount of impact collaborating with community-based organizations who are um, really in making incredible efforts um, to advocate for resources, to advocate for the access necessary to make the community more healthy. Um, and you can have an incredible amount of impact in, in the political space, in the, uh, you know, there, I think there are lots of arenas in which we can use our voice um, and leverage that kind of expertise and that understanding in service of our community in, in a wide variety of ways. I think it's, it, it was amazing to see you talk about how to advocate on a micro and macro level from the medical school and medical student perspective to also on the policy side of things. But also I wanted to ask you, me being a black man and in the case of the scenario of me being on rotations, uh, I actually had four out of five of my preceptors were black OBGYNs, and it was incredibly in empowering for many of the patients who were also black to see a person of color of, in many ways, similar demographics and attributes as, as it pertains to the community and what they've experienced uh, have an influence on their healthcare. I wanted to ask you, 
specifically as a black man, but also men, how can we get involved in this level of advocacy and being able to talk to some of the things that many black women experience that we can't directly experience? Thanks, Alvin. I think there's so many ways, you know, we talk about a lot about allyship, um, which often in many conversations is used to talk about uh, people from the dominant group racially, you know, white people being allies for black people. But I think um, the the tenets of ad, uh, allyship apply to any group that, that wields some power, let's just say it, right? And um, can use that power in service of a group that really needs it. Um, so I think there's a many ways that... Um, men can contribute. Uh, and they're the same ways that all of us can contribute, right? We can all contribute by learning more about the problem. We can all contribute by, in whatever way we can, in whatever space we can, supporting people who are trying to do things about that, whether that's with your vote, with your donations, with the work that you directly do. And as um, partners, of course, it's incredibly important that we educate ourselves um, about what the birthing person is going through, right, through the pregnancy and the delivery. Um, uh, It's very important that we are supportive, that we know what's going on, that we uh, understand that our role is to be an advocate um, for that person in what, you know, in the healthcare system. Um, and, uh, you know, continue to try and minimize the inequities on a small scale and on a large scale too, you know, (laughs) take some of the burden as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Benfield. I really appreciate, you know, how you mentioned, um, how we need to minimize these inequities that are affecting, um, as you mentioned, the people who are experiencing the birthing process. And in this case, we know this main victims of maternal uh, morbidity and mortality are black women. And so with that, um, black women who become pregnant will have having existing uh, conditions are placed at a greater risk for emergencies. And so what should women who find themselves in this situation know um, or do in order to be the best advocates for themselves? So I think it's important to um, ensure that you're, f- you're feeling heard, right? So if you're feeling as though your concerns are not being addressed, then um, you can find someone who will address them. You can, um, you know, um, ask to kind of figure out how, how better to to um, be heard because that's um, so important throughout the process. And then I think um, enlisting support is also really valuable. So uh, one of the things that we are advocating for as part of the um, Bronx Black Maternal Health Task Force is uh, improved access to doula services as an example of the kind of support that people with resources tend to have access to, um, and whether that's financial resources or kind of family infrastructure resources, whatever it is, um, that uh, poor women typically don't have access to. But we know that uh, having that kind of 
informed support throughout the pregnancy and delivery and postpartum makes a difference for the experience uh, of that individual. So one of the things that we're trying to do is help make that more accessible through policy work, through reimbursement work. Um, And that's another example of small efforts where hopefully we can enhance the experience for uh, and enhance the support infrastructure for those who need it. So before we go, and you've laid down some amazing knowledge in terms of maternal health, we talked about systemic issues surrounding maternal mortality. We've talked about ways to advocate as patients, as medical students, and even talked about some of the infrastructural problems that occur around the black community and maternal health. I want to ask you one final thought that you want our fam to know about in regards to this topic. Yeah, I think there's um, lots of good resources, certainly as an OBGYN, um, the American College of OBGYN puts forward a lot of information The World Health Organization has a lot of um, good information and the CDC is a great resource as well if you're looking for, you know, what are the stats, what is the scope of the problem um, from a a numbers perspective. And then I would encourage people to engage with their local groups that are working on reproductive justice and working on maternal health, you know, even through social, taking a look around and seeing who's out there and following them and engaging and supporting them in whatever way you can um, by adding to their voice would be a great uh, thing to do as well. And then to think about, you know, in your career, whatever that specialty might be, um, that this is this is going to be a part of the care that you provide, right? At some point, I think almost everybody is going to encounter the care of a pregnant person, right? So um, thinking about how this is, how you're going to be in that situation when you're dealing with your patients and taking lessons from this particular health inequity and lessons from the work that we're doing to try and reduce it Uh, and apply those across the board. Dr. Benfield, you've been amazing on this episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing us to receive the knowledge. The SNMA fam definitely is feeling the energy too. So how can our listeners connect to you? Sure, yeah. Um, So my Einstein Diversity Office is uh, diversity at Einstein. And at is the word, A-T. So you can follow us there. And then folks can email me as well uh, if they have any particular questions or thoughts. And um, I encourage you, like I said, to go to um, some of the groups that are doing this work because they really... uh, will give you um, opportunities to contribute um, that are, are proven, right? Uh, which is really nice. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Benfield. Again, we are just elated to have had you 
on this episode, this special episode of SNMA Presents The Lounge, uh, discussing, you know, this topic that is ever plaguing our community, the Black community, Black maternal health. So thank you again. We hope you all enjoyed this episode and we look forward to lounging with you again next month. Take care, guys. Mm -hmm.